Hello girls and boys and welcome to Fireside, a weekly podcast in which I'm going to chat at you about what I've been playing this week. So as you can probably tell from the introduction, I have been abandoned this week and I'm going solo. Because Dan is a big baby. Nope, hang on. No, no, no. Uh, Dan has a baby who has been keeping him up at all hours of the morning. (sighs) Fortunately, I am past that stage with my children, so I don't really have to worry about it. Well, not to the same extent anyway. Like the, you know, 2am to 5am awake sort of extent. Still. You will have a baby. (laughs) Anyway, I thought I'd try it solo this week, so uh, let's see how it goes. Means I have to drink twice as much beer, but hey, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. That's just the kind of dedicated guy I am. (laughs) Anyway, this this week we're going to just... Well, force I have it. This week I am going to talk about Dracula's Feast, a prototype for the first game in the Unmasked series, Inside... Uh, which is Playdead's sequel to The Amazing Limbo, and Bear With Me, a noir detective point-and-click adventure game with an interesting um, twist. And the twist isn't that it's got a pun in the name, because anyone who knows me well knows that I'm really not that big a fan of puns. (laughs) I'd also like to talk about World of Warcraft, but I've only just gotten back into it after being inspired by the movie um and i haven't even finished rainer yet so i'm not even at legion the new expansion i do have some friends uh paul and caroline and jackie who have said they're willing to talk about it on a podcast so as soon as i can get all those guys in the room at the same time um we can actually have a a meaningful discussion by people who play it more than just player versus enemy Anyway, before I begin, I should introduce this week's beverage. Say hello, beverage. Um, This week, because Dan wasn't here, I didn't buy anything uh, different. I've gone with the the regular for my fridge, which is Asahi Super Dry. The beer for all seasons, evidently. Okay, Uh, blurb. The blurb is really poorly written on the front of the the bottle, but anyway, here we go. Um, Da-da-da-da-da. Asahi beer is brewed from quality ingredients. By using pure cultured yeast and advanced brewing techniques, Asahi beer has excellent richness, truly refreshing drinkability, and satin smoothness. All year round, you can enjoy the great taste of Asahi beer. That feels even stupider when Dan's not here making faces at me. Anyway. Cheers, me. Okay, so Dracula's Feast. This is a game that's not actually out yet. We were sent a prototype for review on the Another Dungeon website. And it's going to be up on Kickstarter, I think, at the start of August. August. Wow. I'm late. October. (laughs) That's the next month, Dave. October. Wow. Good start. Anyway, the basic premise behind it is that um, Dracula's invited a whole bunch of townsfolk over for dinner. Quite literally for dinner. Um, But... A whole bunch of his monster friends have caught wind of it and they've crashed the party. So, disguised as guests, I assume, um, 
every player at the table takes on the role of a monster. The goal of the game is to basically out the other monsters, so you have to identify who is who, announce them publicly, and then whoever is left at the end of the game is the winner. Now, I'm normally not a big fan of these sorts of games of deduction, you know, games like um, Secret Hitler or Resistance and all that sort of thing. I do like some of them, like I absolutely love um, Coup and games like that, and I think that's because of the logic used in, in deducing who the other players are. So, in games like Coup and Dracula's Feast, there are set rules and responses and you can sort of use logic to an extent. Well, now that I think about it, coup you can actually lie in. So anyway, the, the things I don't like about them normally is that you have to learn how to read other people and you have to be able to lie yourself. And I'm a terrible liar. So, <laughs> you know, playing Game of Resistance, you don't want me to be a bad guy because everyone else will pick it straight away. I'm terrible. Whereas with Dracula's Feast, there are a set set of rules and set answers that you give based on the rules. So it 100% comes down to you asking the right questions and listening to the answers that other people have given to other people's questions to figure out who's who. So the game's pretty straightforward. Um, players take turns to perform one of four actions. Each player has in their hand a um, yes and no card. Which, is, which are used for answering, and they, they've got identical backs. And they also have a, um, I think it's called an identity card, which basically says which monster you are. The first action you can perform is to ask another player if they are monster X. So, for example, if um, I could say to you, Dear listener, are you the boogie monster? And then you would... Put either your yes or your no card face down on the table and slide that over to me. And then I would look at it and return it to you. So ideally I've, I've ascertained who you are. Second option you have is to dance. Um, you can ask any player to dance and if they accept you show each other your identity cards. Uh, once two players have danced though they're not allowed to perform the accuse action. Which I'll go to in a second. So while you do gain some useful information. You lose one of the four actions you can perform on each turn. Which brings us to the next turn, accuse. Well, next turn, next option, I guess. Accuse, anyway. Um, so what you can do here is you can accuse another monster of being whatever. So if I thought you were the boogie monster, I could accuse you of being the boogie monster. If you are, then you reveal your card and you're out of the game. If not, then you tell me that you're not and I have to reveal my card and I'm out of the game. Last action you can perform is the grand reveal. Now you can do this even if you've danced with another... Um, monster or player um, at this point you reveal your identity because it's an all-in um, and announce that you're doing grand reveal you then accuse every single player uh, every other player sorry of, of being a monster so I say right you're the boogie monster you're the magic mirror you're Dracula you're the werewolf um, and then everyone puts a yes or no card with their answer in the middle of the table face down they all get shuffled and then I reveal them one by one. If every card shows yes, then obviously I've correctly guessed everyone's um, card, and I win the game. Uh, if not, then tough luck, I'm out of the game. And play basically continues until you have one winner. Now, one of the things I really like about this is that it is exceptionally balanced, both in risk versus reward, as well as the, the private versus public information, I suppose, that you're gathering. There are certain moves, of course, that can take players out of the game, but whether you want to 
hold on to that information and save it for a grand reveal or maybe get rid of a player that you think has too much information and is close to a grand reveal themselves. There's a whole bunch of different strategy you can use to sort of win the game. And this is further strengthened by the additional addition of very... And this is further strengthened... And this is further strengthened by the... <coughs> and this is f further strengthened with the addition of variable player powers. So each card... Let me just grab the instruction sheets here. Um, oh yep, here we go. Um, each card has... Or each monster, sorry, has a special skill. For example, um, Dracula. After you've been banished, you get to take one more turn. So if someone accuses you correctly, you're banished. You still get to have one more turn with which you can do a grand reveal... And try to win the game. Um, Alucard, which is Dracula backwards, I figured out the other day. <laughs> Something I'm sure everybody but me knew. Um, he, uh, yeah, he desperately wants to fit in and be Dracula, so he accepts all dance requests and he answers yes to being Dracula if he's questioned. Um, but if someone gives him a Dracula's accusation, accusation card, he immediately wins the game. Um, and there are a whole bunch of others. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, nine different characters. So the game's designed to be played by two to uh, four to eight players, um, and you always put an extra mystery player in the center of the table. So if there was a four-player game, each player would get a card, and then you deal out a uh, fifth mystery card player, which is face placed. Oh, jeez, I haven't even drunk that much. Placed face down in the center of the table. So the point of that. I'm probably going a bit ass about here, but the point of that is to add an extra unknown, I suppose, to the, the field of play. So, in a four-player game, you would actually have five opponents that you would... Well, four opponents you'd have to find out, but five monsters total in the game. Another nice element of this game is, in the center of the table, you have uh, what are called accusation cards. They're basically cards for each of the characters in the game. So if you're playing a four-player game and there are five monsters in the game, there are five accusation cards in the center that match the ones that the players have. So you're not playing thinking, oh, um, that player might be Alucard, um, or oh, actually, what was the other one? Um, there was a Trickster. Yeah, that's right. Trickster accepts all dances and answers yes to every question that they opposed so you know someone might say yes to being dracula and yes to being alucard and then you don't know whether they're the trick trickster or alucard but you can use those those face-up cards in the center of the table to you know help you identify who's in the game i think i've gone a bit all over the shop there i hope that still makes sense anyway look i i played it oh, when was it couple of weekends ago at games day with uh with a, a group of we played a four player game we, i think we played two four player games and then i played a uh, a five and a six player game and i played a game with uh kids as well with the kids the age it's, it's advised that the age is 10 and up which feels about right depending on the 10 year old but um for the ones younger than 10 i did actually play it with them but what we did was we um ignored the the monster rules so we just played with the four questions you're able to ask you know there was no there were no special rules and that worked really well so it's a great game to to play with both groups and and young kids alike the games take about five ten minutes a shot so it's a nice quick and easy one you know good gap filler anyway it's going to be up on kickstarter early october so be sure to check it out looks like it'll be really cool all right what do we have next inside yes that's right Okay, so I was a big fan of Playdead's uh, Limbo game. The inside is, is... It's not a sequel, 
Um, it's the next game by that development studio, and they must have got a bit of money from Limbo because the production quality of this game is just through the roof. It's a, it's a side-scrolling platformer, but it's more of a, a work of art that you are privileged enough to be travelling through, if you like. If The way the camera angles change and the way characters act on screen... I should point out before I continue, actually, I'm not going to... Um, do any spoilers it's very story heavy um, and there are mysteries um, that'll unravel uh, un unravel unravel I think that's the word I mean that word unsomething uh, as you play through I'm not going to spoil any of that um, so anyway it's a very dark game much as Limbo was the whole thing is sort of presented in, in grayscale colours with occasional um, splashes of colour here and there to, to highlight things or, or emphasise a certain mood, you know what I mean? Um, all the characters in it don't have faces. They're like uh, those willow tree figurines, you know what I mean? They're, they're sort of these polygon shapes. And you take on the role of a boy. At the start of the game, you're in a forest. And you start running right. Tim Patterson's favourite, run right and jump. That's a classic platformer, right? Um... It'd be better if he was here to respond, but anyway, <laughs> we'll save that for the episode where we bypass another Dungeons podcast in episodes. Um, so you play as this boy, and you you basically start out in the forest, and you move to the right, and immediately you see some people who look like they're looking for something. If they happen to shine their torches and see you, then they run over to you and capture you, so you pretty quickly learn that, yeah, okay, you have to avoid these people. And basically, you just keep moving right and carrying on from there. Now... The very first thing, well, after you notice the amazing art style and the attention to detail, like, it really is, it, it puts me in mind of the, the, the detail that went into the old Dragon's Lair or Space Ace games, where you were following a set path that was specifically crafted, but there was a game thrown in there. Now, obviously, I think we've discussed it on the, on the podcast before, but I'm not a huge Dragon's Lair or Space Ace fan. This game has a lot more gameplay than those games did. But that said, it is pretty gameplay light on. It brings that whole argument of where's the line between art and video game. But I'll get into that in a second. What I was talking about was the presentation. So the attention to detail that they've put in this game is just absolutely astounding. Every character movement, every area is meticulously crafted. And the special effects and the way the camera pans, everything is just perfect. It is an amazing game to watch. And yeah, sure, there are periods of the game where you are just holding right and running through an area and watching as it changes. But honestly, it changes that quickly at least for the first half of the game, um, there's a lot of variety um, that I really didn't mind. And I'm one of those guys that I think when we discussed Journey uh, on either this podcast or the other, um, I wasn't a big fan of games that is designed to, to essentially be an interactive you know, movie. Um, and yes, I'm ready for all the flaming because I just called Journey an interactive movie. I'm aware there's game elements in there, but... Yeah, anyway, that's all beside the point. That It's just beautiful to watch that, you know, you come across, it's all grey, it's raining. Um, as you walk along, you see that you're a little boy wearing mostly grey, but you've got a red shirt. You'll go through a muddy area and your shirt will slowly go grayscale. Uh, grayscale. <laughs> your shirt will slowly go grey and as you walk on, it clears up. It's little things that might seem like, you know, 
meaningless stuff like uh, Geralt's facial growth in um, Witcher 3. You know, these little things that, that by themselves aren't much, but they really do add to the experience of the game. You know, you'll come across a barn and there's a whole lot of chickens. And the chickens are bright yellow, which on a completely grayscale game really stands out. Now, it's not only for artistic um, emphasis, I suppose, that they do this. They actually use light and colour in a very clever way to help you solve the puzzles, as they are, um, and progress through the game. Now, I may as well get on to that now. The, the one thing that I found interesting with Inside, I finished the game and I was wowed which it takes a lot to wow me with a game. And I remember thinking, wow, I, I need a night just to process, figure out what went on, figure out like everything that the game threw at me and what I've learnt over the course of the game, and then think about what I'm going to write for the review. Sorry, I should clarify. We were sent a review copy of Inside. <laughs> now, it's taken a few days, you know. I've, I've sort of let it percolate a little and... Uh, it's an exceptional experience, but is it a game I'm going to rush back and play again? I'm probably, I, I almost definitely will play it again, um, but it's not something I'd rush back and play again. It's not, it's not an exceptional platform in the same way that, say, Super Mario Brothers or uh, Rayman um, Origins or something like that is, you know what I mean? The... But that's like saying I love um, the movie Under the Skin or uh, Mulholland Drive, but they're not the same sorts of things where, you know, like the Angry Birds movie or, um, you know, the current any current action blockbuster where you'll watch it and you don't really mind re-watching it again straight away. These are uh, sort of deep and slow experiences that you, you want to space apart. So platformer-wise, it is a platformer. It does have puzzles they're not particularly hard. I finished the game in, I reckon, about four hours. It's hard to tell. I did have the, the Steam timer running, but quite a few times I left the game paused and went off, you know, had dinner or went to work in one case and completely forgot I'd left it on. Um, <laughs> so my, my timer in Steam isn't really accurate for the time I spent playing the game. Um, there are some little extras in there in the form of these hidden objects, but... Much like games like The Swapper, they are hidden objects, so without a guide, you you almost have to go and search every nook and cranny in order to find a lot of them. Um, I'm pretty certain near the end I found a bit where all the little extras that you find will actually give you a vital clue to what's going on, but I'm not sure as I haven't finished it yet, and as I said, no spoilers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you... If you're a lover of platform games, you're not going to have much trouble with this. It's nothing particularly tricky, but it is absolutely beautiful to travel through. The way they integrate the puzzles with the game, and it all sort of makes logical sense. Even some of the things that at first you think, oh, they're taking leaps of faith with this, that, and the other, start to make sense as you get to the end of the game and, and learn what's going on. One thing I do love about this game, and it's it's really essential um, for the way they present this game, is that you're never told what to do. You can run left and right, you can jump, and you can interact with objects. That's pretty much it. But everything you need to do in the game, you're taught by doing. 
you know, the, the old the old thing if there'll be a, a ledge that you can't quite jump over. Or I think, all right, at the very start of a game, you come up to a wall where you can see a whole bunch of prisoners being taken away on the back of a truck, you know, sort of herded in by some um, police or military-looking guys. Um, and you run to the right, and there's a, a wall that you can't climb. And nearby, there's a... I've forgotten, it's a fridge or a fallen-over porta potty or something like that so you walk over to it and you hold down the action button and you can move that up to the fence climb up on there and and jump over the fence um later on in the game you you come across an area where you have to position an object in a particular place and then perform an action there'll be a beam of light showing you exactly where the optimal place is to do it you know what i mean little little visual cues that aren't obvious but well, they are obvious, but they're not blatantly obvious, if that makes sense. It's a game that teaches you by doing stuff. So before they throw the puzzle at you, they'll make sure that you've, you've understood the basic elements of how to resolve the puzzle. Actually, one example would be there's one stage where you have to get this flying box. You pull a uh, pull chain on a box and the box will fly, I don't know, five body lengths up into the sky. Now, beside this particular... Um, flying box there's a lever when you pull a lever the shelf pops out so logically you might think all right i'll play as well the controls feel nice the puzzles feel nice um in fact i'm gonna say that it looks beautiful again because it just looks amazing the camera angles and the way it presents the story is astounding i was enthralled from start to finish one downside the last i guess fifth of the game does feel a little bit repetitive my apologies, guys. I'm not sure what happened there. Basically, uh, what I was saying was that the last uh, one-fifth of the game feels a bit repetitive. But apart from that, it's absolutely amazing. It's available now on Steam and PlayStation and perhaps Xbox. Um, and it's well worth it. If you like an, an atmospheric platformer that's going to make you think and, and really draws you into the story this is the game for you if you're after something that is you know pure platforming uh cleverness and fun i suppose then then perhaps stick to the rayman and mario and that sort of thing but yeah well worth your money and your time in my opinion and last but not least we have the game bear with me by um exordium games now uh, full disclaimer, as with everything else that seems this podcast, this was another freebie. Um, well, freebie. They gave it to us to review, so I don't know if you... Anyway, whatever. Um, so it's a, a noir detective game uh, set from the... Pers- dis- told... Bleh. Words, Dave, words, remember them? That's when he used to record a podcast. That uh, that brief glitch earlier on has really thrown me. Um, so the, the, the game, it's a horror noir detective story, but the whole story is told via the perspective of a 10-year-old girl. All the characters are played out by her... Her toys, you start out um, the game waking from a nightmare and speaking to your toy giraffe, Gracie, um, about your brother who's apparently gone missing. And then, then you go into your closet where you find Ted E. Bear. Yeah, I know, Ted E. Bear. Anyway, um, who's this, you know, drunk, uh, grumpy, gumshoe detective that reluctantly agrees to help this dame on her 
job to find out what happened to her brother, etc., etc. Now, despite the disdain that's probably showing in my voice, I actually did enjoy this game. Um, it It's an episodic uh, a series of games, which kind of irks me a little bit. The only reason being that I'm just not a fan of episodic games. Whenever I watch a TV series, I tend to, to wait until I can get the whole thing and watch it at once, and I'm the same with this. The whole game took about uh, 50 minutes to complete, um, and I don't really like playing a, a story-based game 50 minutes at a time, because, you know, in a month or two months, or however long it is until the next instalment comes out, I don't know that I'm going to have remembered what I did this. But anyway, that's... That's the way these things seem to be going. Telltale have started this this trend of uh, episodic releases for, for point-and-click adventures, and, and these guys have jumped on board. It's probably a good way for them, as, as from a developer's perspective, I suppose, you get to release your game piece by piece and, and get a decent amount of feedback on what people are thinking as you progress the story and and you know you can sort of get a a feel for what you are or aren't doing right um etc etc anyway enough about that so you play this 10 year old girl amber who's on a, a journey to find her missing brother um the style of the game is is probably again one of the first things that i want to talk about it's presented in an almost anime style uh cartoon style but it's it's all black and white with splashes of red here and there for emphasis. But not in the same way that, you know, Inside used colour to highlight key components and stuff like that. It's more more a symbolic way, like in the movie Schindler's List. But with none of the deep significance that Schindler's List had, obviously. Using traditional noir elements, you know, mostly... Um, grayscale imagery and it's got this old 1940s crackly record music and atmospheric sound effects it really uses all this to to great effect it it presents a dark scary environment but at the same time that's countered by the visuals which are a little girl and her teddy bear talking with all her fellow toys and trying to solve the mystery of her missing missing brother it's sort of taking the genre seriously but parodying at the same time while mixing all the best elements of the good old point and click adventures of old now as a long time fan of those adventures i i have been disappointed or disheartened i don't know i i get fatigued with them to be perfectly honest with you, the the nonsensical progression where I end up dragging my cursor all over the screen to find that one little hardly able to see thing that you can click on that'll give you an item and then trying to combine a whole variety of items in order to find the combination that will give me the weird thing that I need to proceed. Fortunately, Bear With Me manages to avoid all this and it provides a pretty linear story to be honest, but it's sensible progression. So the objects you need to interact with are always clearly displayed and the items you collect and combine together are always done in a practical manner. This is good as it means you spend most of your time absorbing the story and figuring out resolutions to puzzles rather than clicking all over the screen, you know what I mean? Gotta stop saying you know what I mean. You're not gonna answer me, rude bastards. As it's point and click adventure, obviously the uh, story is 
absolutely essential. Uh, again, Bear With Me succeeds, although its success is going to strongly um, vary based on how you like a story told. It's very tongue-in-cheek with a lot of, you know, typical dad jokes, that sort of thing. Sometimes the jokes feel a little forced. Um, actually, quite often the jokes feel a little forced, but just as often they, they hit the mark and give you a giggle. There was nothing that really made me laugh out loud, but not too many that made me groan either. All in all, I, I found it to be a, an amusing, smirk-providing game. Story-wise, it's... I think it's a little bit predictable, but I've only played episode one, so I could be proven completely wrong. You never know. Um, it's it's well presented. The story is presented with a mixture of, of dialogue and cutscenes, and the cutscenes, oh man, they are so well presented. They're, they're done as a series of still images, um, and in each image there is a pin and a, a bit of red ribbon, if you like, that the camera follows the red ribbon to the next still image and over the top of that comic book boxes uh, appear saying what Ted E. Bear is thinking and he voices over those boxes while the presentation is happening. It's all done in that, you know, black and white, well, sepia, I guess, brownish uh, sort of colouring, but it looks like it's printed on old newspapers. You can see the old headings and type showing through it. It just looks really, really amazing. The only problem I did find with all of it was that some of the voice acting felt a little bit forced. Um, I don't know whether it's the dialogue or the voice actors, but Teddy Bear and the... the, I've forgotten the name of them. They're they're a couple of rabbit brothers. And after every sentence, see, they say the word see, see, blah, 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 see. And it just... I understand... The trope they were going for but it felt like they kind of missed it and and came across as trying a little bit too hard but you know that might be just me being a little bit too fussy because i'm looking at it with reviewer eyes on knowing that i've got to write a review after i finish playing <laughs> believe it or not that actually happens where sometimes i'll go back and i'll look at a review and all the notes i've written and i thought why am i being so analytical about this that's not the slightest bit important but yeah uh one thing i found with the story so as with all point and click adventure games that there, there are a number of tasks that you have to perform in this episode i didn't have to do too many simultaneously but there were a couple of points where i had you know, a few objectives that I had to simultaneously achieve and I could choose the order in which I did them. Now, when I turned the game off and then came back to it the next day, there wasn't a previously on bear with me or anything like that, which is fine because you you don't need that in a game necessarily. But I found there wasn't a great deal of um, ability for you to, to find out what your objectives were. So... If you didn't remember, say if I'd taken a week off, I probably wouldn't remember what it was that I was trying to achieve. There's an option to chat to Ted E. Bear during the um, game, I suppose you'd say. And when you do, he'll tell you what your current objective is or give you a little hint. However, in my experience, actually, I found that they didn't work well a lot of the time. Now, after checking on the forums, I found that they've since remedied this. However, without actually having tested it, I can't really 
tell you to what extent they've they've fixed that problem. To summarise, look, it's a, it's a a fun game. The sense of humour is pretty much what you'd expect for these types of games. If you're a fan of point-and-click adventures, you're going to love this. The the guys obviously have a love of the genre, and they've made it true to all the classics. Um, if you're new to this series of game, you might find the jokes, the sense of humour a, a little bit... I want to say on the nose, but that's not the right thing. You, you might... You mightn't like the humour necessarily, but in terms of games for this genre, this is a definitely definitely one worth trying. Although, as mentioned at the outset, it's episodic. The first episode is about $5 USD, um, and you get about 50 minutes gameplay. Very linear, about, I don't know, 50% of that is, is probably cutscenes. Um, the game's not very difficult. It's pretty straightforward, but, you know... Five bucks. Try it out if you're into that sort of thing and, and see if you like the game. Oh, one other thing I'll mention actually before I move on is that you can only buy episode one at the moment. They don't seem to have any information up about a, a season pass or future episodes or even when they're going to be released. So buyer beware, I suppose. But yeah, again, five bucks. Worth it to try out a game. Five bucks for 50 minutes. It's 20 bucks to go and see a two-hour movie, right? So without Dan here, I'm going to try and do a um, <laughs> a better job than my usual. Yeah, that's really nice um, for rating the beer. So this one, I think, has a lot more flavor than the Kirin. It's, it's very crisp and it has that... Um, I think Dan calls it a bitter sort of finish, so... Yeah, definitely a sort of bitter finish at the end there. It's an affordable beer, I think it's about... You can usually, if you go to Dan's, it's about 50 bucks... Dan Murphy's, not Dan Lehman. Um, oh, they can go and buy it off him if you like. I'm sure he'd sell you some if he has any. Um, it's about 50 bucks a case. So that's 50, um, 50 bucks for 24 330ml bottles. The label is very silver. <laughs> the writing's red and black. Um, there's a little bit of white on the label as well. Bottle's brown. It's delicious. It's really nice. This is a this is a regular for me. Um, up until we started uh, the quest for sponsorship on this podcast, I pretty much had these Peroni and um, uh, Corona in summer in my fridge at all times. Now. Hogarten has, has pretty much taken the place of Asahi, but you know, it's a different different flavour beer to this. This is a, a just a really easy beer to drink, and I can have one any time of the year and it oh hang on, that's what it said. All year round you can enjoy the great taste of Asahi beer. It's true. It is true. Whether it's summer, winter, hot, cold, doesn't matter. I, I, I can always grab one of these and enjoy it. I'm always in the mood for, for an Asahi super dry. So give it a shot. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, hope you enjoyed the format. Again, let us know what you think. Podcast at anotherdungeon.com. We are on Twitter at Another Dungeon. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Another Dungeon. Uh, if you want to go to YouTube, Google a dicks. So just go to anotherdungeon.com forward slash YouTube and that'll take you to our ridiculously long YouTube channel. I haven't done... Um, some how to plays for a while i have thrown up a, a how to play for 
uh, what was it called? Dracula's Feast. So it's a how to play of a preview, but yeah, I still haven't done the boss monster one. I'm sorry, I just I just haven't had time. It's been that flat out with work. Blah blah blah. Insert excuses here. I'm sorry. Um, and I think that's it. If you uh, want current news and and reviews on all that sort of stuff, check out our other podcast, which is hosted by Tim Patterson, the Another Dungeon podcast. He's joined regularly by uh, Ben Spanos and and various guests, and they cover all modern or current uh, video game-related news and events and that sort of stuff. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a good night. See ya. Ha <laughs> ha